Welcome to Care to Talk, the podcast to help those in the care sector look after their own mental health and the people they manage. We're your presenters, Lee Truman and Mark Caulfield. And in every episode, we tackle an area of mental health, breaking it down by offering actionable solutions for you to follow. Today, we're going to be discussing the concept of work-life balance. We'll talk about why it's important, what can happen when you don't manage a work-life balance, and what you can do to ensure that you find the right balance for you. Now, this week is awesome because we've got a very special guest to join us. Um, we've got the the one, the only, Mark Tops, Regional Business Manager at Essex Cares Limited. Mark is a well-known figure in the social care sector. If you don't know Mark, then you're obviously not on LinkedIn. Um, Mark hosts his own podcast, The Care and View, alongside Adam Purnell. If you don't already, please make sure you check it out. Um, Mark regularly speaks at care events all around the UK, champion campaigns that directly affect care workers and care recipients, providing insight and guidance for other care leaders, as well as raising awareness for important issues that the sector faces. Mark's worked in the care sector for around 15 years, starting his career as support worker at a care home, progressing to registered manager in 2014, and now working as regional business manager. So who better to talk about finding a work-life balance than Mark? How are we doing, Mark? Or the two marks? Yes, not too bad. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. I'm very well as well, Lee. Yeah, not bad at all. Looking forward to this. It's our first one, isn't it? First one with a guest. Very exciting. Yes, first one with the guest. So for everyone out there who's checked us out before, um, thank you for, for coming back. Um, if not, make sure you subscribe. Go go back and check out some of the first episodes. Really good content. Um, as always, we're going to be started off with Pits and Peaks. So, seeing as I'm talking, I'm going to I'm going to start. So I had um, a bit of a catastrophe. So we went to um, the Home Care Association in London. Um, great event. We always like to be involved with the Home Care Association. Um, now, unfortunately, I planned my trip badly, um, and the weather dropped. I've got electric car, so the weather dropped, so the charge went down again. Um, and on top of that, a road was closed. So I live in rural Somerset, so it's not the mecca of London. Um, and sometimes they close roads in the middle of the night um, without updating Google Maps. So, so yeah. And then I was just sat there with no charge in my car, couldn't get anywhere. Um, and on top of that, everything's driven by like the normal car battery. So it tells you on the screen if you want to exit and enter the vehicle because the handles are electric as well, then you need to leave the window open. Did I mention it was minus four? But yeah, no, my big thing to take out of that was the punctuality. I just hated being late. So, so yeah, you could say that's my, that's my pick for this week. So, um, Mark, Mark Top, do you want to join us with your, with your pick for this week? Yeah, I think for me, sadly, it's not as, not as good as yours, I don't think. But mine's just been that it's been an incredibly busy week. So I think everything seems to have just built up into one week. So it's finalising business plans and budgets and trying to get new contracts over the line. And I just don't feel like I've had any time for me, any time for the kids, the wife, and it's just all been work. 
And I think to top it off, as much as I'm pleased that it's back, it was the first week of the care review. So it's obviously been back to trying to book guests, get that sorted, make sure the show's on the road. So yeah, it's just been an incredibly busy week. Yeah, I've definitely, definitely asked for what we're talking about today. So we'll, we'll go into that in a little bit. Uh, Mark Caulfield? Uh, my pit and peak is basically the same thing. I don't know if anyone has noticed, but there's it's been in the news around um, trying to push through a law that makes it a legal requirement for businesses to um, to do what they're calling MHFA, i.e. mental health first aid. And um, so on the one hand, that's fantastic. On the other hand, I'm not entirely sure what it means. And so I'm questioning, is that... So if they mean that, as in Mental Health First Aid England, that is actually catastrophic for the whole mental health business because all the private mental health consultancies who create bespoke training and all of that are basically game over. That includes me. I think it's, yeah, I think it's got to be a, a generic term, but I'm sure more clarity will come out in yeah. the coming weeks, which we look forward to. Yeah, exactly. Uh, do you want to go... Um, Going to go with your one next, so your peak. Uh, well, my peak would be assuming that is generic. That's absolutely amazing for me. That will be brilliant because I believe I have an edge. My peak and pit is actually the same thing, depending on which lens you look through it. Yeah, definitely. Um, Mark Tops. I think mine's very similar. It links on to my pit, so. I was annoyed that I didn't follow my own advice and take time for me. So I've actually been through my diary and I've diarized break times throughout each day for the rest of the year. Um, I think so often since the pandemic, it's just death by team and Zoom meetings. And actually I've made sure that I've put time, even though if it's just five minutes after each meeting, just yeah. so I can actually take time, grab a cup of tea, go to the toilet, do whatever I want to do, and then come back. Um, yeah, I think it's been a good week. We've got new business, new contracts, budgets, touchwood are all finalised. So yeah, I feel like finishing the week on a on a high. Um, for me, it was it was almost the sort of the knock on effect of running out of charge. Didn't mention run out of charge, um, <laughs> and it was the milk of human kindness to come out of that because I was freezing. It was minus four. Um, I was on my way to a trade show, so obviously I, I didn't have warm weather gear. I wasn't going hiking in the Scottish mountains, so um, just a shirt and a blazer. Um, and the amount of people that asked me if I wanted a coffee, did I want to come and sit in their car to get warm? And it's just, it's that, um, it's a big old world, and there's there's people out there, and we all we all know the hurt people hurt people. Uh, but there's so many good people in the world that it just makes doing things like this and just, yeah, just what we do, just so rewarding when you see that sort of um, manifested in the real world, how good people are. So, so yeah, that for me was, was, was mine. Um, and so, you're saving the planet, mate, as well, with your lovely yes. electric car, which is very important. Yes, important <laughs> to save the planet, yes. Yeah. I bet you were thinking that at five in the morning. <laughs> yeah, I was definitely thinking that at five in the morning. Yeah. It was like so cold. Um, good job I had a full charge on my phone because if I didn't have my phone to like keep my mind occupied, I think I don't know. But yeah, no, that was that's pits and peaks. 
Um, so going to move into the big topic. So a really meaty topic this week. So work-life balance, and it's something of a of a new concept, of a new phenomenon. Because the people who had a poor work-life balance historically before this work and generation were all the sort of top one percent. It was only the people who sort of had office jobs and, and stayed in there. Um, but now we've got the ability to work from home so easy, but I think work-life balance is, is come to the forefront. So I'd just like to ask the two marks, um, what is the concept of finding a work-life balance? So um, we'll start with our guests. We'll start with Mark Tops. And the concept for me is finding what works for you. I think quite often you read articles, you read blogs, you listen to things around work-life balance, and it always sounds like it's, a one size fits all and it's really not it's what works for you and I think obviously I've spoken about doing the caring view and that's all outside of my kind of nine to five day job but actually to me that doesn't feel like having a separate job even though it's probably the same amount of hours um but that works for me it doesn't feel like a burden but for somebody else that would probably be the worst thing that they could think possible so I think definitely trying to not compare yourself to what other people are doing I think stop glorifying if you are working long hours because that's nothing to be proud of and I think taking breaks learning how to get delegate learning that it's okay to say no to things just so that you don't have to please everybody else because I think that's something that we've all seemed to have got into a pattern of saying yes I'll do that yes I can do that and actually not really thinking about whether we have the time or the energy to actually make that possible um yeah I think the concept as well is that you just need to do your own research into what you want from a work-life balance. And I, I hate the term work-life balance. I think it should be called life-work balance and flip it on its head. Um, because actually we all seem to work to live and actually we, we shouldn't be doing it that way around. We should actually be enjoying life. And I think if the pandemic's taught us anything, it's we don't actually know what time we have, what's around the corner. So actually make sure you take those holidays and those break times because actually they're vital. I concur with all of that, to be honest with you. I think, I, th I think from a, from a, you know, from a more kind of uh, structural point and almost scientific point, as well as actually what Mark says is right. There are far too many people on LinkedIn and in the press telling everyone how to live their lives, telling everyone you've got to get up at 5am, you've got to run a marathon before you do this, you've got to do this and you've got to juggle having 15 children and do this and you're all perfect and everything's amazing and you just show this lovely life on social media. The reality is we're all different. And a bit like in the episode when we talked about stress, the fact is every single human being, just like our DNA, just like our fingerprints are unique. So work-life balance is what works for you, okay? And what we started to see during the first lockdown, which was worrying, was people starting to refer to it, am I living at work or am I working from home? And you're ending up with this difficult situation where a lot of businesses were becoming so reliant on Zoom or Teams or whatever. Um, and clearly a lot of bosses were quite paranoid around, unless someone's on a Zoom call with me and they're at home, they're not doing anything. And so what was happening were people were spending all day on Zoom calls, often where they didn't need to be, and were having to actually do their work at night. So you end up with this horrible blur. And I think I think moving back to more kind of a hybrid model of working and this sort of thing is actually, it's about 
What I think I've seen really is people beginning to get a little bit more vocal around being able to go, that's not acceptable. Actually, I'm not prepared to do that. Because what you were finding was, as you were working from home, those things, those two things were getting horribly, horribly blurred. And I think, I think work-life balance is about being able to pepper your day with breaks. And I think it's really about work-life balance for me is about optimizing both of those things. Am I working as well as I can? And if I'm not, I should re-look at that balance. And is my life good? Am I happy outside of work? If you want to work 12 hours a day and that doesn't cause you any problems with your partner or your life or your friends or your family, fine. So so Mark's right. It's all about the individual and actually allowing them to create what that what what good looks like. Different for each individual, like so many different mental health topics are. Um, it's there's not a one size fits all. Um, so what can go wrong when the balance isn't quite right? Um, and I'll ask again our guest first. I think when it's not right, I think the first thing is that you probably don't realise it's not right. I think you just end up working and working and working, thinking it's okay. But actually, do you see the negative impact of that, whether that's your your partner, your children, you know, your friends, your family? I know that I've definitely been there where worked every hour under the sun to the point where my family have stopped inviting you to events and bits and pieces because they know the answer is going to be no because you can't attend because you're at work or you're on call or whatever um so I think it's it's not seeing the the other side of the picture from somebody else's perspective I think it becomes fairly obvious quite quickly when you get it wrong both things start to be affected negatively so so what you'll find is very often people who work really really long hours there's normally a few things going on there there's either either they're massively under-resourced within their business or they're horribly inefficient or their business is taking the mickey insofar as the number of hands actually there to do a job and what I used to find very, very often is you'd see lots of people in my old business, in the advertising business, who would be at work ridiculous hours all the time. There was an element of it looks good to be there at eight o'clock. But actually, what then starts to happen is your actual quality of work starts to deteriorate. Then your family life, your personal life starts to take a hit, which then affects your work. And it's just this horrible, vicious cycle. I think it's something that I've seen on emails from Mark, from Mark Tops at the bottom of his email. You say, and correct me if I'm wrong, that I'm sending this email a time that's convenient for me. Please feel free to respond in your normal working hours. Um, and I think things like that are, are really good. Um, and again, just, just reinforcing, just because I'm sending it now doesn't mean I need a response. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I, I put that on the bottom of my email because I was very conscious that I'd be emailing my team at kind of 11, 12, 1 in the morning. And actually they weren't working, but they felt like they had to reply because it was coming from the manager. And actually you don't need to reply. You go, you reply in your work time. I'm not expecting any kind of out of hours special service just because I'm your manager or the business manager of the service. Um, so yeah, just want to drill into get to know you a little bit more, Mark. So um, just want to ask a few questions so about your early career so how did you go from your early career into covid when things really started changing yes early career i was studying animal care at college um and there was a care home in the town i was living in 
that were looking for staff and I was 17 years old and I couldn't get a job, but they were offering me a volunteer job. So I just used to pop down, spend time with the people that lived there that had a learning disability that were kind of 21 years old, 22 years old. So only a couple of years older than me. And I just, I fell in love with it. I didn't see it as a job. And there were staff there that were negative about what they had to do. And I just kind of thought, I don't see what the problem is just sitting here watching, you know, High School Musical on Disney Plus or something, or Disney even, because I used to think that's what I'd be doing if I was at home. And when I turned 18, I applied for a job there because I, yeah, I absolutely loved it. And I'd be the first to volunteer to take them to a cinema, to take them swimming, to go bulk, whatever it was. Because I used to think to myself, I'm being paid to go to the cinema. This isn't a job. This is what I would be doing with my, my friends. And I was there for four years and I had a lot of people that obviously came and came and went in that company who were like why don't you work somewhere else you know other companies do it different you know why don't you check out what they're doing and it did dawn on me actually this is all I know because the only social care I know and I left um I think there was a lot of times in that four years though that weren't great I remember transferring to one other care home in that organization and budgets were really tight I remember there were there were three staff, the manager, and we had six people we were supporting. And you had to make that rotor work. If there was a gap on that rotor, the manager wasn't going to step in. It had to be one of us three to cover, you know, a seven till two shift, a two till 10 and a night shift. Um, and we just had to do it. And I remember well, it was a sleep in, not a wake night. But I remember thinking, you know, my home's about half an hour away. I'll sleep. So I should just do a sleep every night, seven days a week. And there were three of us and two of them the other two were were girls and they just couldn't cope you could see they couldn't cope even though we were young and I used to just think you know what I don't want to lose another member of staff they were good colleagues to have and they were good for the people we were supporting they would go out of their way and I used to just end up doing seven in the morning till ten at night sleeping getting back up at seven and doing that and the only day I would have off was Sunday I would wake up in that care home on Sunday morning leave go spend the time with my now wife and then come back in the evening and go back to sleep and it would just start again. Um, and I, I left and it was a big relief to have left. Um, I've had various jobs in between, um, went over to manage a reablement service. And I think I've always just worked long hours. It's never been something that ever really bothered me when I kind of look back, you know, I just kind of got on with it. If even as a manager, if a shift needed filling, I had no hesitation in being like, you know what, I'll jump on the floor, I'll cover that and kind of put family life second to work. The pandemic hit and we were looking after somebody before testing was available. I remember staff came into my office as you know, managing the care home to say that they thought that he might have COVID, he had the symptoms of COVID. I remember we had no PPE back there, so we were just wearing bin liners and, you know, trying our best to kind of protect ourselves. And my wife was on the high risk um, list. And I just, I didn't want to go back home because I didn't want to take it home to her. But in the back of my mind, I also had no reservation that actually managing that team, I should be the person that dives in first. And I remember phoning my wife and having a lengthy conversation about actually, I don't know what's best. Like, do I come home and risk it if it is COVID and bring it home to you and the kids? Or do I just stay in this care home? And decided to stay in that care home, which originally we thought would be maybe for a couple of weeks, three weeks, turned into a few months and turned into just under a year. And I wasn't in that care home every day for that whole year, but I didn't go home to my wife and my kids for that year. And at the end of coming up to, you know, 
midway through the pandemic, I'd been with that company for four years. And I just remember having a conversation with my directors at the time about, you know, there's no light at the end of the tunnel for this pandemic, but I'm getting sent videos of my kids in the snow. I've never had experience of, well, I have since, but at the time I've never had any experience of my children playing in the snow and seeing videos and making snowman and playing with my brother-in-law and doing all the things that I should have been doing with them really hit home that actually, why the hell am I in a care home here? prioritizing you know the staff and the people I support when actually I should be at home prioritizing my wife and my children because I think anybody else any I say normal I hate that term normal but any other normal person probably would have gone on furlough and just not worked and that was obviously the opportunity I could have had right at the beginning and I remember having that conversation and saying you know I am going to resign but you know it's not with my notice period like if you need me to work here for another six months a year whatever like I'm happy to work my notice, find a replacement, make sure it's right for the people we're supporting, make sure the relatives are happy, make sure the staff are happy and that people feel supported. And I felt really let down. I felt right then that I was just a number. It was like, well, just do your notice and you can go. And I think reality really hit home to me that you could be with a company for such a long period of time and dedicate so much time and effort and energy into them just to be treated like that when you're actually, you know, just trying to actually be united with your family. I think at that point, I realised that actually there's more to life than just working. Um, and I moved on from that company and I joined a, another care organisation um, for six months that was the complete opposite. It was working from home. They were very strict. You weren't allowed to log on until 9am. You weren't allowed to log on past or log on past five o'clock. The way we were treated was abysmal when I look back and I absolutely hated it. And I, that's why I was only there for six months. But it gave me real structure into actually I had the morning with my kids up until 9am, something I'd never had. Ne I'd never had. I was able to take them to school, bearing in mind my young, my eldest would have been in year four and I'd never done the school run. Um, I was able to pick them up from school, take them to clubs because obviously I was logging off at 5pm and I wasn't doing anything in the evenings, but it wasn't for me because I'm used to logging on at, you know, nine, 10 o'clock at night because all I would do is fall asleep if I wasn't, you know, doing something productive. Um, and I left after that six month period, but actually having some concrete kind of support in the back of my mind, that actually it's okay not to start work at, you know, a ridiculous o'clock. It's okay that actually if your kids, you know, have got a club, you don't need to be online. Actually, I can turn off a laptop. I can go do the swimming run, the football club run, and then I can come back on and do that later. And I think when I had the interview for the job that I've got now, it was very much actually I've got used to doing the school run and I've got used to taking my kids to the club. And actually this is something I didn't have six months ago and something I was passionate about making sure I had going forward. And the company I have now are really good in terms of, you know, as long as your job's done, you can kind of choose your hours to a degree, as long as obviously there's not meetings and bits and pieces going on, but I can do the school run every morning if I wanted. I can do the, do the clubs that I want to do. Um, can work weekends if I want, don't have to work weekends. You know, I feel like I've got a bit more, or should I say a lot more flexibility than I once had. Cool. No, no, thank you for that. Um, also want to talk about 18-year-old Mark Tops listening to High School Musical. I'm hoping there's pictures. Um, <laughs> let's get some throwback pictures on the go. Um, but also kind of want to come back in just to ask about what's been the impact on your mental health when you have had that work-life balance flip the wrong way? Um, so, for instance, when you when you couldn't come home during lockdown, or um, at different points, what's been the impact on your on your mental health? 
I think prior to COVID, and I was, I've always been lucky that my wife has been really supportive. So I met her when I was 17. She's been used to be working ridiculously long hours. And I'm the first to admit, I have no idea how she's even still with me because it'd probably been the other way around. I probably got fed up of the meals for one and being a single mum, but actually married, but you know, the partner's not at home to help with childcare and bits and pieces. But I think during the pandemic, obviously living away, it was incredibly tough. I think I would originally video call my kids and I've got three and it would be an argument with them about who was going to speak to me first because they were all desperate to speak to me, who was going to press, you know, hang up because it was a novelty to hang up a video call. Um, we tried, you know, parking in the car park alongside, you know, each other. They would be in the car. But again, it was the arguments of who was going to be at that window of that backseat passenger side to speak to me and who was going to be the one to undo the window. And I could see that every time they would hang up or they would leave, they would cry. And I absolutely hated that because I would then drive wherever I was going, whether that was back to work or where I was staying. And I would just feel really deflated that actually something that I had done had made my kids cry, which was, would be the last thing I ever wanted to do. But they obviously were too young to understand why I was living alone and the impact actually that the pandemic and the virus would have had if it had got my wife. Um, yeah, there was plenty of times, you know, when I'd be in that care home, you know, and I'd be speaking to relatives because obviously they weren't coming into the care home so they couldn't see their loved ones. And I could, at the same time as it was incredibly hard, I remember having days when I used to just stand there and cry and just let it all out because I didn't really know what else to do. But also really being able to emphasise with actually, I know what it's like that you can't see your son or daughter because I'm in exactly the same boat here. And actually I think a lot of it is bad as it was when I reflect back was actually a blessing in disguise because actually I think it really allowed the relatives that I was supporting to know actually I fully understood what they were going through it wasn't just a manager saying I get how you feel not being able to see your kids but the guidance is I was actually really and I think when it came to actually allowing visitors and kind of stepping away from what the guidance was saying I was able to use my own experience of saying well actually I know what it's been like not seeing my kids for three months and actually this is why we're doing this because none of you actually have that idea and that first-hand experience of what it's like yeah. it's a, a huge sacrifice and it's why this this sector is so amazing because it's you're not alone um again huge sacrifice but the carers up and down the country doing the same and it just it just makes me feel so privileged to be able to work with them um i just want to bring mark colfield in just to reflect um a little bit of analysis on on what mark's just said yeah, I mean, I, I think, I think, first of all, I would say, um, so my mum's in, in 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 care. She's been in, in a nursing care home now for the last uh, six weeks or so, and I just take my hat off to 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 carers um, and to the nurses who look after her, and so I can completely understand why you made those those pretty tough decisions, Mark, because you know um, one of the things I really think is special about the care industry is is this being a vocational job this is not your normal nine to five job that you turn up and you leave this is people who you know genuinely care about what they do um and so i think from my point of view i i think i think i think that's amazing but i think that's an incredibly hard hard thing to do isn't it and i think the one thing for me is that you know you've got to 
you've got to be able to look in the mirror and ask yourself the questions is what you're doing at work affecting you and is it affecting those around you and it really becomes incumbent on the individual to actually be able to have that look in the mirror sometimes and just go you know what I know I need to be working like this I know I need to be doing this but I'm either pushing myself too hard and I'm underperforming or it's affecting family and friends or it's affecting someone else and you have to be I think you have to learn those skills to be really really honest and look in the mirror and ask yourself those questions um <clears throat> because it is easy you know if you re really really care about what you do it is very very easy to get completely out of balance but i think it's a very important conversation here because what it what it's basically saying is that all these things lots of things in the mental health space are like a constant balancing act you know no one is ever in one particular place and stays there the whole time so the reality is is that you know you need to be measuring and monitoring how you're feeling because your work-life balance might feel great today but if in a couple of weeks time you're you've got some underlying illness going on or you've got something else in your life or you've got problems with family members or your parents are getting older all these things will affect that. So you can't just go, right, okay, I think I've got my work-life balance sussed. What I need to do is I need to start at this sort of time. I need breaks and I need to make sure I stop by seven o'clock in the evening. Well, that might be fine for that period of time, but it's a constant moving feast. And so, you know, you need to be you need to be aware of that and keep an eye on that all the time. And start to understand those those feelings within you as an individual that tell you if you're pushing too hard or not hard enough. Um, something I picked up on when Mark Tops was talking earlier was um, learning to say no. So learning to say no has, has been a big thing for me, um, not helping everyone, not taking on every single job. I'm learning to say no without needing to explain it. Um, again, that's, that's a huge thing for me. Um, what I'd like to, to ask Mark Tops now is what lessons have you took forward from your early career and your mid-career into into your later roles and today i think the biggest thing that i've taken away is trying to support care workers or whoever it is that i'm managing that actually i don't want them to have the introduction to social care or even a career like i've had in terms of the expectation that you have to do you know 14 hour shifts 12 hour shifts actually that there is more to life that actually we need to be flexible in our approach. Um, you know, we can have people that start work at kind of eight, nine o'clock in the morning that can finish, you know, two, three, four hours later, if that's what's best for them, because actually that fits around their home life. Um, I think quite often, I know that if I had had a doctor's appointment or a dentist appointment at three o'clock, the expectation would be, we'll go to that and then go home and then turn your computer back on and make up that time. Well, actually, by the time I got home, it was four o'clock and you're probably not going to get much done because you've kind of zoned out of work. You've gone and done whatever. So actually, you know, you've worked hard. Actually, don't worry about logging back on, but actually come back tomorrow and, you know, give it all your all. Like it doesn't have to be all work, work, work. I think one thing I'm very passionate about is trying to raise awareness of how to have a better work-life balance through ha however I can, whether that's through kind of my day-to-day -day job, whether that's through the care interview, whether that's kind of, through my LinkedIn and my blogs and bits and pieces, but just to try and help educate people that actually you can have a work-life balance, you can still be successful, but actually 
you've got to take care of yourself first before you can take care of anybody else. Yeah, and I think there's a huge sort of um, misconception in the care sector. For those carers that get 100% book work for the shift that they want and when they're asked to do overtime and they say no because they've got boundaries and they're almost thought about as sort of lazy and not as committed as the people who are doing a ridiculous amount of hours. Have you noticed that at all? I have, and I've noticed that if, and I, I've spoken to care workers that are on zero-hour contracts, that if they say no, then they're not given any work for a week, two weeks, a month. Then actually, we shouldn't be penalising people. I worked for one company where they had a, a system in place and you had an end-of-year um, PMR um, kind of appraisal system, but actually, if you hadn't done any, hadn't gone above and beyond, you couldn't exceed, and actually, we shouldn't be forcing people to work above and beyond if actually they're doing their contract. If they've had no sickness... You know, you've had no performance issues with them. Actually, that that is exceeding. It's okay just to do your core hours, go home because that's what you're employed to do. There shouldn't be this. You need to pick up because we're short staffed. Okay, we're short staffed, but that's not the employee and the care worker's fault. That's our problem as a manager and as an organisation to make sure that actually we recruit enough people to to fill those shifts. One of the key things is people in this country for years and years and years. There's this perception of working hard and working hard often is actually just doing loads of hours it doesn't necessarily mean you're doing a brilliant job and it is really about we should as as a as a society we should start to congratulate good performance good performance doesn't mean long hours means when you're there you're doing a great job that's what people should be rewarded for and that's where their merit should be but with all these things, you know, we can we can talk about this on our podcast, right? But are the leaders of organisations doing that? And it, very often they're not. And that's what we need to do. This is all of this change that we talk about, all this difference of approach in hybrid working, working from home, all these blended, um, <clears throat> you know, work strategies that people have put in place only work if the most senior people in, in the organization role model this. Yeah, so if the most senior people in a care home or a care home business expect and reward ridiculously hard work in the shape of very, very long hours, well then that, guess what happens? Then everyone thinks, well, I have to do that. You need to demonstrate right at the top that that is not good. It's about key performance and performing to the optimum because you're rested. If you want to have a solid workforce who are happy and stay and do a great job, you've really got to look after your people and it is people first. It really is. Um, thank you for that. It's such a great topic, such a, an important topic. I think there's been some some real actionable advice discussed. Um, so just going to move into um, the check-in and check-out. So again, just um, some tips, some feedback. Um, I'm going to start. I like reading books. I'm a big reader, uh, whether that's reading an old-fashioned book made out of paper, um, like I used to, or whether it's audible in the car. Um, one of my favourite books is The Chimp Paradox. So I'd, I'd recommend everyone check it out. Very good. Uh, really good book. 
Um, it's a really easy read as well, the way it's written. So, yeah, check it out. Um, have a look. It is on Audible. It's on old-fashioned books from the 90s. Um, so, yeah, that that's my recommendation. Mark Tops? I think for me, it's what we've discussed, actually. Hit pause on the podcast. Have a look at Diarising Time right now so that you actually do it while it's fresh in your mind. Learn to say no and book some annual leave and actually yeah. utilise the chance while we've got so many bank holidays to book that Friday, the Thursday and the Tuesday and actually have a long, long weekend off. Great idea. Very good idea. Um, for me, it would be another book, actually. Um, this is one of my favourite books. And I think this book really, really sums up about this work-life balance. Um, it's a book called Depressive Illness, Curse of the Strong. Okay, and it's by a guy called Dr. Tim Cantifer, who was a lead psychiatrist at um, at the Priory. And his um, his theory is only driven people, only people who really care. And this is why I think it's very, very important to what we're talking about. So people who really passionately care about what they do, they are super driven and they're either super driven through what they push themselves to, or that could be from family, parents, schooling, or whatever it happens to be. Only those types of people are the people who generally suffer from clinical depression and indeed burnout. Because if you don't care, if you don't push yourself, if you're not really that bothered, funnily enough, life ticks along very nicely for you. Yeah. And it's actually those people who really passionately care about what they do and they go the extra mile and they don't want to be off work because they believe and they believe they are integral to the care and the health and the life of the people they're looking after. They're less likely to put their hands up and go, I'm really struggling. I need some time off. And it's a great book to read because what it does is it actually validates the fact that, you know what, you should pat yourself on the back <laughs> because you're an elite few of people who care so much that you'll actually put yourself second. It tells you why you shouldn't do that as well. But it's just a brilliant book and it's written in a very, very easy way. Lots of books by psychiatrists are absolute, uh, you know, <laughs> you read a page and you go, right, I don't understand what that's talking about. This is really, really easy. And it's just a lovely book and it's certainly made certainly made me feel better about what I went through in my life in the advertising business when I was doing stupid hours and, you know, running myself ragged. It was actually because I wanted to do really well because I cared about what I was doing. And actually, you should you should be pleased about that because who wants to not really care about anything? So that's my recommendation. Good read. That's two, yeah, so, two, two books to read in the next couple of weeks. That's going to be heavy going, but worth I was it. Just going to say the um, that's quite nice because, like Mark Tops told us to do, let's book some time off. Let's book a nice holiday somewhere sunny and read some nice books. Um, so I think, yeah, recommendations are really good and they tie up into a nice loop this week. Um, coming to the end of the podcast, um, it's been amazing to talk to Mark Tops. Um, been amazing to talk to Mark Colfield about really important subject. Um, it's not the only exciting thing on the podcast this week. So we have um, spoken to the guys at Closer Still Media. We're going to do um, Curta Talk live at the XL at the Health Plus Care Show. So really, really looking forward to that. Um, I'm sure Mark Tops, you'll be at the, the Health Plus Care, won't you? 
Will be indeed, yes. Yes, so I'll look forward to seeing you there. Uh, make sure to grab a chair, come and see Care to Talk um, live, and we'll also be doing a appearance on the Care and View with myself and Mark Coldfield. Um, so do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yes, so we're going to do a mental health show for Mental Health Awareness Week. Um, and you've completely thrown me with what week that is. 16th of May. I think the 16th of May is the Tuesday of Mental Health Awareness Week. So we'll be we'll be on the Karen View with the amazing Mark Tops, the amazing Adam Parnell, and just talk about mental health. So really looking forward to that. Really looking forward to being live at the XL. Um, so, so yeah. Um, just want to thank everyone for listening. If this is the first time tuning in, then make sure to go back and see some of the other content. We did the first one on general mental health, um, general overview of mental health, and then the second one um, was on stress. So thank everyone for joining us, and we will see you again soon.